Let's face it, running a construction company can be chaotic. As business owners, we wear a lot of hats and we're constantly putting out fires. Luckily, there's a way to work simpler with Build a Trend. I'm a huge advocate for using technology to help run AFT, and Build a Trend is one of the most crucial tools I rely on to keep me on top of every detail. Built just for home builders and remodelers, this is an easy-to-use platform that helps manage all aspects of my business. My team's been using Build-A-Trend's project management platform for the last five years, and we love that they're always improving and adding new features to make our lives easier. This is something that we've really tried to take on internally to find ways to improve our system every day. Build-A-Trend just released a full set of financial services, added new tools like Takeoff to make estimates more accurate, and launched a total rebrand with a new mission to help change the future of construction, and we are on board. To learn more about how Build-A-Trend can help calm the chaos in your construction business, visit buildatrend.com backslash AFT. When you schedule a demo, you'll receive an exclusive 60-day money-back guarantee only available to my podcast listeners. I'm following Build-A-Trend into the future in construction. Come on board with us. Don't miss the Contractors Coalition Summit. You can go to ContractorsCoalitionSummit.com and join us in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Wednesday, May 15th through Sunday, May 19th. This is going to be an incredible event. Again, for all of you builders and designers looking to take your business to the next level to learn about all things, systems, organization, pricing, social media, marketing, how to be a better business owner, all the things that we wish we knew as early business owners many years ago. We're going to speak about that. Also give you a Dropbox with all the content, including contracts and other documents that we're using, as well as KPIs, key performance indicators. So don't miss it. It's a huge opportunity. Some amazing vendors will be there as well that you can network with. So again, Wednesday, May 15th through Sunday, May 19th, 2024 in Minneapolis, go to contractorscoalitionsummit.com. So let's look at family businesses, survival rate going from first generation to second generation. It's like 30%. From second to third, it'll be 12, 12%. And then from third on, it's 3% survival <laughs> ratio, right? So welcome to the podcast. We have David Guzman on with, with us today. Welcome, David. Hey, how's it going, Brad? Glad to have you on. So David is uh, essentially director of business development, runs the pre-con there for Continental Marble and Tile Company uh, out there in Southern California and was fortunate to have David come out. He was actually in town in Phoenix and we toured the project this week. And uh, then he's uh, name drops. He sends a picture of my high school there in San Diego where he's doing a project. Yeah. So my old stomping grounds back at Helix down in La Mesa in California, San Diego. Yeah, it's funny because this morning our, our field superintendent was out there and he calls me. He's like, man, Helix is way out here. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, hey, send me a picture of the sign. I'm going to send it over to Brad. <laughs> so. That's good because I'm like, please tell me David's not already driving down there because you're in Corona. No. So it's a little hike down to San Diego from there. Yeah, it's, it's a drive. But yeah, we, we I mean, we go all the way to Chula Vista, all the way up to Ventura. So we, you know, we have a huge area that we cover and then you add in traffic and it's just a nightmare. <laughs> Maybe we start there logistically. I think that's pretty unique. Many, many people don't have that big of a footprint. Uh, you know, I speak to contractors and subs and some of them are pretty spoiled throughout the country. They're like in a five mile radius, which that's not my life. You know, we're probably in a 70 mile right. radius here in Phoenix for you. I mean, you're way bigger than that and your congestion and traffic's way bigger than ours. Logistically, how is that just, especially on some of these big projects? I mean, you're working at my alma mater high school, you're doing big projects all over all over Southern California. How can right. you facilitate? Are you, are, are they commuting every day? Are you putting them up somewhere? How does that typically work? So, so usually like, so full disclosure, we are a union shop. So we do have kind of a labor pool that we pull from. Um, but like, as far as the logistics wise, I mean, we're central, we're centralizing Corona um, about 15. I mean, we've always done work in San Diego, but about 15, 18 years ago, we did the Marine Corps recruiting depot, the MCRD down there. And mm -hmm. we, we redid a bunch of the barracks and just, you know, a lot of us were commuting to, I was actually in the field at the time. So I had worked 18 years in the field. So I have a lot of, you know, exposure to the, the craft, I guess. Um, but we were driving down there. A bunch of us were from, you know, uh, Corona, Chino, um, you know, Riverside. A lot of us were commuting, but we had, we had met a group of core guys down in San Diego. Um, and then from that point on, we've always, you know, uh, stayed in contact with the builders down there and we've kept guys in San Diego in that area. So we have like a San Diego crew, an L.A. crew, Inland Empire crew, um, just all, you know, um, you know, we usually keep about uh, I want to say when it's kind of slower and, and it's usually about 45 guys and when it picks up, 
Um, I mean, we had a, up to 120 guys working for us, you know, so it just depends, you know, on the projects, but we do have a core group of guys uh, that are with us that, you know, are, we're able to do that, this, this type of, you know, work everywhere because of the training that we've, you know, given our guys and there are core group of guys. And it's about 40 guys, 45 guys that run work, know how we run the, you know, the operations. And so, yeah, we, we used to do a lot of commuting, but now we have labor in all the areas. So it just kind of works out for us. So what's one of the pros? I think it's pretty rare that I have someone, you know, from the union on here. And I'm, I'm very familiar with it, having grown up in San Diego. My dad was a union electrician, you know, for his entire career. For, for you, it makes sense that you're going to have essentially some crew leaders, some crews kind of space between, as you mentioned, Inland Empire, L.A., San Diego, Orange County, that kind of facilitate. But with the union shops, you can locally hire. So as you need to upsize or downsize crews, how has that been just from coordination maybe you know bringing in new people making sure that they fit the talent and the quality and the company values per se i mean there's some challenges there even though the union should be vetting those to some extent so you're getting some pretty qualified talent right right i mean everything kind of has a purpose you know and and we we do know that they get some type sort of base training and curriculum um they do have you know they go to school they i went through the program uh, about oh, how long I've been in. I've been in about 26 years. So I went in the program about, you know, graduated about 22 years ago. Um, so you kind of learn, you know, they, they do, it's nice because they do have that kind of fundamental, um, you know, knowledge of the trade. Um, but then, yeah, like, you know, it's just like everything else. I mean, you're going to have guys that take ownership in their work and you know, then you have guys that don't, and you just kind of have to weed it out. Um, and I mean, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's sometimes it's a difficult water, you know, to navigate because you, you have all these stipulations that you deal with, you know, you make sure that you're honoring the, you know, the, the union stuff that they have. And then at the same time, you know, be able to get a production because, you know, being a member of the union, it's not like you pay these guys piecework, it's an hourly rate. And it's whether they set a hundred feet or 300 feet, they all get paid the same. So it's for those guys that are awesome craftsmen, sometimes it might be a downer for them. But it, you know, it, it does serve a good purpose. You know, it, it gets them a retirement, um, gives them great benefits, um, you know, and so, you know, that's great. And we, you know, we've been in the union for, I, I think we helped form the union in Southern California, you know, so we've been around it for a long time. Um, we know all the business agents um, on a first name basis. Um, and so it's nice. Sometimes we'll get referrals, you know, when guys that they know are out of work, they'll reach out to some of the shops that they have relationships with and, and, you know, put us in contact with them. So, so how does that work? And, and I think you bring up a really good point because many trade partners really struggle with, do we pay them piece rate? Do we pay them hourly? There's pros and cons to both, right? You're going right. to, some cases jeopardize quality or performance. And th there's kind of this fine line being that everyone's hourly, especially with the union, do you ever find that challenging, especially you being over pre-con? I mean, you're estimating these are big scale projects. Uh, I, I mean, truth be told, you've been in business 100 years, so we'll get to that. So right. I think you have a right, big right, advantage right. compared to right. almost anyone out there. But how does that change now? Are you seeing a difference in the labor force now? How does that impact pre-con? How does it impact estimating and performance, you know, out in the field? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because, like, you know, be, being in business for so long and, and, you know, full disclosure, this is my wife's family. I kind of married into this business. Um, I've been around it for, you know, 26 years. Um, and so I've gotten to meet a lot of the competitors, you know, and, and like I will say competition, healthy competition is great for the industry, right? Because I mean, the unhealthy competition is what's going to drive the wages down and drive our value down as builders, right? So the healthy competition, I love talking to those owners and we'll talk, you know, how, you know, one of the guys who's out of Orange County, you know, he'll ask me, how many square feet are you getting out of your guys? Because, I mean, it all comes down to, like, mm -hmm. what the average square footage installation is on these mm -hmm. projects. And so we, you know, in where there's three of so in our company, there's three of us that deal with, you know, estimating. And we, some of these large projects, I mean, we have, you know, a lot of discussion over, okay, how we'll literally go through each type of tile and say, okay, this is a mosaic. This is going to take longer than this one. And we'll we'll literally break it down, you know, per tile on how, how much, and thankfully we have a little bit of experience of installing it, you know, so data is huge, you know, you're, uh, that, and that's what we're kind of compiling is all this data 
that we have, a, and, and we haven't even compiled 100 years of data. I mean, you're looking over, you know, 15 or 20 years of data that we're looking at on square footage, how much they're installing. And so we kind of know these numbers. So going into it, it's like you're, we're as good as our data is, right? And I mean, we can look back every year and you can see that tile setters back in the 80s and 90s, they set a lot, they would float and set tile, fresh set tiles, but we don't do that anymore. Like floating browning walls is rare. In, in residential, you probably see it a lot, maybe on your projects you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but like on, on the commercial side and the school side, to get a mortar, uh, you know, walls with tile installation is rare now. But we do have guys that can do it still and are trained in that. But, you know, so 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 data changes a little bit as time, as trends do, right? So tiles, tiles have gotten bigger over the last, you know, 10 years, a lot bigger. I mean... Uh, I think the project we walked on your house, man, it, it was pretty cool. All the, you know, I don't know how many <laughs> bathrooms that was, but, um, but you know, it tile changed. Now we're kind of, it looks like we're going back to like some of these three by twelves and these rectangle mosaics and, and, and odd shaped tiles. So, so we kind of have to look at our data and, and adjust that. So, I mean, you know, the smaller jobs, the cookie cutter stuff, I mean, um, you know, that's pretty simple to figure out just based on the data, but it's those unique projects that, you know, have 150 tiles on it that we have to go through and kind of fine fine tune that, you know, that that bid based on, you know, the data that we have. So now, now, do you find any challenges? Maybe walk us through the pay structure in this sense. So, for me, when I worked in California through college, you know, internships down there, uh, you know, of course, the union guys would call scabs because the shop I worked for wasn't union. But we're working on military bases and schools. You know, prevailing wage jobs there in California. And so from an employee perspective, being in the field, you know, this as well as in college, I saw a huge difference in motivation of the crews. And what I mean by that is that, you know, if, if some of the crews were sent to do a private job, so maybe they're working in Little Italy in downtown San Diego for a developer, you know, they're making, you know, at the time, 14 to like 20 two bucks an hour, depending on their skill set, right? And again, this is, you know, 20 years ago, but, um, and, and it's a private job, but then they go do a prevailing wage. So then they go work at like the Navy base on a Coronado. They're working at school and prevailing wage, you know, they're being paid like 32. Mm-hmm. So of course, as an employer, they would try to monitor that and make sure they're spreading around. So, and, and just to walk through that explanation, when you're working on a government job, California requires you to pay what they call prevailing wage and it's a set structure. And so, the, the beneficiary was an employee who would get paid essentially $20 an hour more just doing the same amount of work. It's just doing a government job as opposed to private. For union, does that differ the pay scale when they're doing a union job or like a government prevailing wage job? No, see, because so California prevailing wage is much higher than the, what is it, the Bacon Davis Federal Act that, mm-hmm. you know, regulates the federal uh, wage. So we pay our guys. I mean, we do, we do private work too. Like we do large private, um, uh, and, and usually that's because of bondability if it's huge, but, um, but we pay our guys, you know, they, they all get paid the same, whether it's a, a federal prevailing wage only because California's, you know, uh, prevailing wage is much more, is, is more than the, the federal prevailing wage. So, you know, it kind of, you know, we, 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 so we go through, you know, so to break it down, we have like finishers there, they get paid a certain wage and they're usually the guys that set up the tile setters and we have the tile setters, they get paid a different wage. And then we have apprentices, you know, and they, you know, depending on what period you are, that that's, uh, you know, based on your pay scale. So now with that said though, does that impact? Cause you mentioned that you're going to be the same wage and part of that's union driven. And we know that anyone that has experience with unions, there's union dues and there's an expense there, right. By having a union, there's you know, that aspect of it, but how do you compete on some of these private jobs? Is it because you're bigger because of bonding? Are they requiring different bonding? And that's going to eliminate some of the competition because if you're fighting a, a non-union shop, that makes it pretty difficult to compete. I'd imagine just based on the wage scale. Right? No, absolutely. I mean, and, that, and that's one of the first questions, like when we look at these projects, I mean, we do have to, you know, cause we only have, we all have 24 hours in a day and we have to manage our time. Like, are we going to bid all these jobs that we're not going to have a chance on? Or are we going to go and are we going to bid, you know, the jobs that we have a shot in? So, you know, there, there are a lot of jobs that will have like, um, you know, PLA agreements and and those we can compete with. So, you know, we've done hotels, we've done uh, high rises, uh, we've done work in stadiums, you know, so, and those are all private jobs, but a lot of times, 
they want somebody who's bondable and some of these other contractors aren't bondable. Um, so that, you know, so that, that kind of helps out with that as well. Yeah, so. that's really interesting. And so, um, you know, with that, I mean, that, that goes back to you. I mean, you're vetting your customers, anyone should to understand really who you're bidding against. And it's not so much like, right. Hey, th th they're not at the same, same quality, but I just want to make sure apples to apples, you, you're offering a totally different, uh, skill set, you know, right. you know, a whole different value you're bringing to the client, if you will. Right. Right. And what's, what's, what's interesting is, um, you know, cause for instance, like we've been like our company, you know, you mentioned we're, we're, lit, we're not a hundred yet. Maybe when this episode, when this episode airs, I think we'll be a hundred 2024, we turn a hundred. Um, you know, I'm the, my wife is my wife and her cousin are the fourth generation in this family, in this family business. And my son who works, who's worked the summers for us, he's going to be the fifth generation. Um, and so it's kind of cool to see that. And he's actually going to school for construction management. Um, he enjoys it, but, um, you know, for us, you know, we go through, um, you know, we've, we've been a low bid company for 99 years, 98 years. And we have had a few select customers that we have like really good relationships with. There's a, a supermarket out here uh, that we do all their stores. Um, and, you know, they, they can opt out and go, you know, private um, and, and get private workers to do it for probably, you know, you know, somewhat of a fraction of the cost. I don't know, I would think, but, you know, we've done their stores for, you know, 40 years or whatever it is. Um, and so we're getting a little bit more from the, we're keeping that low bid base, you know, so which the nice part for me is like, I can go into, you know, these new contractors that we're trying to meet. And I, I always call it courting, right? We're trying to court these contractors, right? Meet them. Um, hey, you know, I'd like to bid your work. And I know we're competitive because we've been in the low, low bid world for 99 years, you know, 98 years. And so now we're kind of expanding into that relationship contracting where, you know, people have a little bit more control over who they're using as subcontractors. And um, for me as a subcontractor, I mean, if you think about it, um, I, I have a, a friend who works for a construction management company that we actually are, do work for. And he's like, man, you guys, man, these little big guys, they just want to fight all day over project. You know? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I, I try not to fight. I, I, I tell, I always tell them, you know, I try and take the passive lead through you know, least resistance because it's easier for me and it's easier for you. But as a contractor, you know, if, if I was doing your homes, you know, and, and it's a relationship base, you know, there might be some stuff that gets missed, you know, in, in this because of unforeseen circumstances. Right. And, but with that relationship, you know, I'm going to, I'm probably going to eat, you know, some of these costs. Cause I'm not going to try and like, Oh, Brad, you missed that man. Like, you know, and I know you're, I know you, I think you do, um, what do you guys do? Cost plus or cost whatever plus, yeah. mm -hmm. it might not be as bad, but like on these, some of these projects where there isn't a whole lot of room in there, um, you know, we will facilitate that. You know what I mean? Like we'll come to an agreement and, you know, cause we're not trying to hurt anybody and we're not trying to hold anybody's feet to the fire over plans that maybe weren't, you know, so, so we're trying to work on that, you know, uh, relationship contract is what, is what I call it with some of these general contractors that we don't normally do business with um, that are still in the same space. Our competitors are doing their work. Um, so I know that we can do their work. So it's, um, when I, when I meet people, it's, uh, you know, I was telling them like we're Southern California's best kept secret because mm -hmm. for a long time we would, we, we punch out bids. Like, I mean, I could, I, we probably punch out five to 600 bids a year. Right. And, um, just, just being in the low bid world. And so like, we have that, we have that covered, but now we have this huge machine that's been developed over, you know, because contracting, I mean, it, ultimately it's a process, right? You, at least in our world, you submit the bid, let's say that you win the bid, you go through the front end documents, you go through the production of the product, you go through the back end documents and punch list, so send out your warranties and you rinse and repeat, right? And you're, and you know, we're a service. That's all we provide as a service, right? We're, that's what I'm doing for you. My service just happens to be a tile and stuff, installation service. So, with that, you know, I'm kind of in a unique situation. I think us, me and my wife and my, my wife's cousin, Curtis, we're in a unique situation because we have this monster machine of a company that we can now go and plug in new clients to it. And it's not like we're trying to redevelop anything. We're not trying to, it's just, we're just feeding this machine. Um, and we have our quality control, uh, you know, systems in place. We have our uh, delivery systems, you know, um, but we do have our systems and it's nice because like if you're starting out, like I, I listen, you know, I've listened to a few podcasts that you've been on and like, you know, you know, starting out, man, you're like, 
you're taking anything you can get your hands on. It doesn't matter. Like you don't, you know, and you can't take everything on or everything that you'd like to take on maybe because of size. But like the, the best part for us is like we're geared to do one restroom on a job or a thousand restrooms. It doesn't matter. No, like really no jobs too small and no jobs too big, which is a phenomenal spot to be in because, you know, it, every, everything evolves, right? So like if we go through the history of our company, we go back, uh, we were started on September 24th, 1924. Um, wow. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so our founder, which is my wife and her cousins, um, what is he, her, their great grandfather, he started this company. He actually used to work for a stone quarry out in Utah. And um, <clears throat> they, they did a bunch of, you know, marble and stone fabrication. And he moved down here. I think it was called Nebo Marble Company. So he moved out to California. And he started, he was working for this Nebo doing these, these, these jobs. And then he decided to go out on his own. Like, Hey, you know, I think he moved out here in 1920 in Southern California. And then he decided to go out on his own. So he started doing marble and that was his big thing was continental marble. And then, but then he added tile to his scope. Right. So he, he's mm -hmm. done stuff like he did some of the first buildings at UCLA. Um, they've done stuff at the, you know, it, it's crazy because we've, we've done like multiple remodels on jobs that we did like the original, <laughs> stone and tile and so it's it's kind of a cool you know experience you know and then so then i think it was in like the 40s uh if i get my date right 1948 he had a like a gnarly heart attack and you know he was bedridden um he ended up passing away i think in like 1951 and my wife's grandfather was was in school at the time he was going to ucla um and so he stopped because you know, back in, back in those days, it was different. You know, it's, it's not like there, there was just, you know, if, you know, the work back then, you know, you had, we probably had four or five, you know, regular guys. Um, the craft was different, very intimate as far as the ownership and the guys in the field. Um, and so he felt like, oh, I can't, I can't, you know, let this business close. So he, he took it on as an owner because he felt like these guys were part of his family. So he kept the business going. <clears throat> um, and then I don't know what year it's funny because I, I try not to, I try, I try not to be like, Oh, my aunt Patty, my uncle George, you know, when they're the owner. So I would say, Oh, our owners, because <laughs> <laughs> totally. you know, we're, because we, we are a, a real family business. So they took the company over and we've gone through our ups and downs. You know, we went through the, the experience of where business, you know, the handshake meant something to where, Hey, where's your documentation? Where's your change orders that are signed? Where's your, I didn't authorize that, you know, and, and so that, that was a financially difficult time to navigate, you know, but we made it through there. We made it through a few depressions. We've made it through some recessions. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relations with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our project. To, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. They're, their company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra-contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. Our clients have worked with the Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove showroom Scottsdale on nearly every project. They make the process so easy for us and our customers with either an in-person or virtual consultation. They have dedicated consultants to answer questions, provide helpful solutions, and offer advice and assistance. When you are ready to embark on your kitchen journey, reach out to the Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove showroom, Scottsdale, who will tailor an immersive, rewarding experience just for you in their stunning showroom.
Gather ideas, ask questions, and imagine how your dream kitchen might come to life. All catered to you in a low-pressure and highly inspiring environment. View an array of options and see what they look like in full-size kitchen vignettes. And attend a chef-led demonstration to see and taste these appliances in action. Well, in fairness, if I interrupt you, David, what's interesting yeah. about the handshake comment is anyone that's worked in commercial, commercial is so much about CYA anymore. Like, you're just enveloped in paperwork and preventing litigation, staying out of litigation and liquidated damages. I mean, it's just, it's, it's such a, a, you know, high risk, cutthroat, very strenuous. And as you mentioned, I mean, it, that's where it can be contentious too, because you're fighting through, there's just a lot of paperwork on anyone that's done commercial. And, and so you're fighting through that. And so handshakes definitely, I'm sure changed over time to what it is today. Oh, right. And, but, but what's, what's crazy is, so I'll, I'll, well, we're going to circle back to that because I do want to talk about that. But let me let me finish our, our history and we'll get right back into that. You know, the handshake and mm-hmm. and the CYA mentality because that is that is a, like the truest statement <laughs> you can make about it. But so so then once um, you know George and Patty took the company over and they're a brother and sister. They're not a husband and wife. Um, they took the company over and they ran it for oh gosh I don't know forty years or so thirty five years and they're in their their early and mid sixties. And they're in the process of trying to figure out this exit plan, you know, for themselves, you know, and you got, you can't imagine that you, or you can't imagine how difficult that must be for them. Like this has been like, you know, you have a, I mean, you have like three, Mm -hmm. well, you have like 342 businesses, I I know. Right. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, so like you understand how much, how much you're invested in these businesses, you know, they're like a second marriage to you, you know, because it's like the phone rings, you're going to pick it up. You're not going to be like, Oh, sorry. You know, Hey, time out on the basketball. Yeah. I know I'm coaching, but let me get this call. You know, it's, 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 it's like your wife's calling. You got to pick it up, man. Yeah. So, so I know, I know we're transitioning. We're actually in that transition period. Now it's kind of, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how to navigate the waters, you know, of that transition, but, you know, and so, there's three of us, there's me, my wife and her cousin, you know, and we're going to, you know, pick up the reins and run with it. And, you know, it'll be, be exciting, but, you know, it, it's a beautiful history if, you know, and it's, it's cool. And, and when I tell people, like I, I always tell them we're a family mm-hmm. business and it's funny because we did these, we did these four, um, these four high rise towers, right. And they're all in one footprint. It's this massive development. It's called Metropolis down in downtown LA. And we did the first tower and, and our owners were meeting, our owners meeting Aunt Patty and Uncle George, right? But our owners were meeting with, with these uh, foreign, uh, these foreign owners. They're they're from China. Well, you know, the builder was very unfamiliar with us, and the owners went with us. And and the builders, when we were me and the project engineer were walking the punch list on the first tower, and he's like, "Hey, man, like I'm not gonna lie, we hear family business. We were in panic mode because you know <laughs> we think." he's like, you know, maybe you shouldn't lead with that. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, no, I always lead with it, but I clarify, like, you know, we've been around for a while. We, we, we are a genuine family business. We have in the office, there's one, two, three, four, five, six of us that are all, you know, from the, you know, that are related uh, and married and, and, and so forth. So, um, and it's, and it's been great. And then, like I said, we have the fifth generation who's actually going to get a degree in construction management the three of the males in here that are family, we, we were all field raised, right. You know, rough around the collar, you know, set tile for, I set for uh, just about 18 years. So I know the trade in and out, but you know, here's that adjustment in that, you know, we talked about when the industry changed from a handshake to paperwork. Now it's changed from plans to digital. Everything is digital. Like we, we have one estimator who's, you know, he's in his mid late sixties he still does it all through paper and, and with a ruler. And I'm like, I don't know how you do that. And then we have the other, me and the other estimator who do nothing but digital stuff, you know, all takeoffs with in-house, you know, spreadsheets that have been developed. And so it, it's an interesting dynamic, you know, switching from one generation to the next. Um, it, it's been interesting. So. Do you find it, do you find it tough? Just, the just the family. I know you're through it. You're, it's your wife's family. So I'm sure there's some, uh, there's been some mm-hmm. adaptation and transition there as you've entered the company, you know, as an in-law, if you will. But how is that with six of the employees being family members? Do you ever find any difficulty in navigating decisions, scope, you know, direction of the company? Um, so I think that's so, so, okay. So let's look at family businesses, right? 
I think going from one first generation to gen, second generation, it's like 30%. And I, they just did a new calculation. It's more like 19% succeed to that from first to second. And then from second to third, it's um, 12%. And then from third, or actually from second to third will be 12, 12% and then survival rate. And then from third on it's 3% survival <laughs> ratio. Right. And I can see, but, but see, like I'm, I'm, I'm not like, I'm, I'm kind of new blood to this, right. This whole thing, technically I wasn't raised as a, you know, as a tile setter son, my son was, but I wasn't right. So, so I'm kind of new blood to this, which I think that's actually kind of good for it is when you have new blood in there that maybe hasn't been accustomed to this. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because it, it brings a different perspective. Um, but there is like, yeah, let's in a family business, like, let's face it, you can say things to people that you couldn't normally say because you get written up in HR, right? You, you know, <laughs> there's, there's emotions that, that go, but it's, it's a good thing. Like, I mean, like at the end of the day, like we're all, you know, we see each other. It's cool because we see each other in the office. You know, people ask me, dude, how, you know, how do you work with your, you and your wife work together? Is that contentious? And my wife will tell them, you know, no, actually, even when we're, you know, we're having a difficulty in the marriage or something like we still are great at work. Like we could still work together just fine because it, you know, because um, it's still got to get done. But there is a lot of gray area like that's I think that's the struggle with family businesses is there is a lot of gray area. Like you, you go to a corporation and it's like, hey, you're a project engineer. This is what you do. You do this. A, you, you get information, you upload it onto, you know, a, some construction software, Procore or whatever, send it out. And then the masses get the email and they respond to you and then you distribute it again. Right. Well, no, that doesn't work here. Like here, you know, for instance, you know, I'll find myself in a contractor's, you know, lobby, discussing, talking to estimators one morning Then I'm on a job walk at another, you know, a couple hours later, then I'm back in the office, you know, trying to, you know, follow through on, on some bids with contractors that I'm, you know, courting or whatever you, you know, you want to call it. Um, so, so we, we wear a lot of hats. And I think that as long as everybody is, you know, willing to pull their fair share, like it's, it's, it, there's so much synergy that comes with that, you know, and that's, that's, I think the power of, you know, communication and, and, you know, it's, and, and I think that's, what's so exciting is, you know, there's me and my wife, there's the two of us. And then we have her cousin who's just, he's about, he's our age. And then we have the aunt and the uncle um, and, you know, then we have another uncle in estimating. So it's, 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 it's actually pretty fun. I mean, we all like sports so we're you know, we follow teams, there's discussions. We'll put the, you know, I probably shouldn't say it. Be, well, I should say it cause you guys beat us and took us out of the uh, playoffs this year with the Dodger game, you know, you guys, <laughs> Diamondbacks, man, you guys, I don't know what you guys are on some good, some good, you know, they're on a good run. Yeah. Man. yeah. Had to great, put the sweep, had to bring some brooms out for that one, man. It got a little, yeah, little know, nasty out there. It, but that's what makes it fun, you know, right? Yeah. So we're watching games here in the hallway on our, we have a big, um, you know, big hey, calendar. You show Otani, so just relax. You'll be all right. Yeah, it only costs, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's an interesting, that's, we could probably do a whole podcast yeah. on that and how that's probably going to change baseball and contracts. It's uh, going to change everything now. now everyone, everyone oh, yeah. was, no one was mad at the Dodgers for doing this for the last few, like Freddie Freeman, right? Has a similar deal. And, and then all of a sudden now, you know, it's like Shohei comes in and it's like, okay, well, <laughs> now we got to look at this because the Dodgers have gotten creative, but yeah. Yeah. And, and supposedly he penciled that whole deal out. So anyways, yeah, he you know, did. but, but it, I'll be down there for spring training. And by the way, I was listening to a podcast you're on, I think like two years ago, it was, um, uh what are the guys nick and uh john and and tyler yeah yeah the modern uh, craftsman the modern craftsman and that's and so i was listening to it and it, you were talking about like oh yeah one day i'll build my house i think it was in 2021 when you did it one day i'll build my house and i'm gonna start an iron an iron company and i think when i saw you you're like <laughs> oh yeah i got the, the iron company's up and running he's got the properties ready to build like it, it was cool man it's like it's it's cool to see you had that vision back then and now you're, you're executing. So that's awesome. Um, I appreciate that. I think, I yeah. think with anything, you know, it's like, as you mentioned, it's early days, you have, you have a vision and you're like, well, this is, <laughs> you know, it's a little bit harder than I realized. And it, you know, it takes time. And just, that's why I tell everyone it just takes time, be patient, be consistent. I think that's just a life application, right? Be consistent in everything right. you do. And, um, but, but understand that you have to have a vision for where you're going as a company and, Fortunately, I have some great people around me, you know, that work really hard and share that same vision. And 
allow us to get to that. And uh, so it's been fun, man. It's been, it's been good. And I, th I think that's where, you know, anyone listening, you, you went through the statistics, David, and I think it's pretty fascinating because I'm like, I know so many companies when, you know, and, and it's not all companies, but you see this on occasion that mom and dad have started a company and there's a grind that we're talking about. There, there's a grind to build a company and it's your baby and you're always answering the phone. And, and there's this like heightened sense of your business because you built it and you know, the pitfalls and the mistakes and all these things to build your business. So when generation two comes in, they may not be as acute as acutely aware of like what you've dealt with and the pains to get to this business. And, and it's hard for them to kind of navigate those treacherous waters, right? Because it's right. And then that third generation is even harder and fourth, almost impossible. And when you say two or 3% on that fourth generation, it's kudos to you guys and what you've done there at continental marble and marble and tile to say, Hey, we're a hundred years. We have a commitment. We're, and, and you've had a process and maybe you break this down because I know when you were out here and you and I were talking in person, you said, hey, there, there was this long time that we're the lowest bidder. You said that on the podcast now for a while, but you're also building relationships. You're kind of navigating away from that, realizing that there is value in building these relationships with GCs. I mean, how has that mentality changed and the value add from that? Um, so, well, okay. So my personality, right? Like I, I like the one on like the in-person meeting, like COVID kind of threw everything for a loop, right? Like everybody was afraid to go out of the house and talk to people. And so, you know, the big thing for me is like, I, I love, like, I, I love stories, right? I love hearing the stories. I love hearing like the background and knowing about people and, and, and knowing what they came from because it, it kind of, you know, sets the stage for where they're at in their life today. Right. And so, and I love that, you know, because everybody's got a story. You've got a story of how you got, how, what, you know, made you decide to, you know, leave. Cause you were, you worked for a, a, can, um, a general right, contractor out here, a, G, a GC, yeah, a commercial for contractor a GC for someone that would be like hiring you, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so, but like, you know, and I, and then I would go into Brad and get to know Brad real well. Cause he was their lead estimator and I'd want to, you know, hang out with Brad and see what I can do to help Brad, you know, I just be not a thorn in Brad's side. Right. That's that, that's whole, my whole purpose. So, but because we've been such a low bid, we, or we've been in the low bid world, we've missed out. I don't even want to say missed out because I'll be honest with you, like life's been great. Like we have a wonderful thing going, but like, you know, we're hungry. Like why stop? You know, and it's not about greed or any of that stuff. I look at this company as like a vehicle to do cool things. And it's not even just like traveling or have a nice house or any of that stuff that, that that's, you have employees and families and that you're helping. Yes. Sustain. But like, like every year we donate to toy drives, you know, like last night we were at one of our, I don't know, I don't know if you say company names on here, but we were at one of our, our contractors. Yeah, you can. Oh, so, so we were over at, you know, we dropped gifts off over at DPR construction in Orange County. Mm -hmm. We were wrapping presents with, you know, Erickson Hall. Like we get to do these cool things. You know, we, we drop can, you know, canned food off. We usually do this year was kind of weird because there are some sicknesses going through our office during Thanksgiving, but you know, usually every Thanksgiving we're donating food to food drives. It, and, and that's what I mean. Like these are super cool vehicles that this, this tile service that we provide has provided this awesome vehicle to do these cool things in our communities and, and provide lifestyles for all these guys. So when I got in the trade, I was 19 years old and this is, this is kind of a cool little story, but you know, and I, I was, I was a tile setter, apprentice tile setter, had a little Toyota pickup truck, had my wheelbarrow in the back, show up to work. And I had a daughter, right. When I was 20, I had, we had our first kid, me and my wife did. And my dad had passed away when I was 17 years old. So like, I didn't really, you know, this, these are new waters to navigate, you know, uncharted waters for me, but all these tile setters who were 40, 45 years old were like, they were telling me like, Oh mate, you don't change diapers. I'm like, no, but like, you need to change diapers. Your kids aren't going to talk to you. So these guys fed me all these life, life, you know, lessons. But the cool part is, is when I went into, you know, manage the management side and out of the labor side, like I was able to see one of these guys that, you know, I, I drove to his house and on his last day of work, cause he was retiring and pick up the work truck from him and bring it back to the office. And, you know, this is a guy who was like a staple in my life, you know, as far as like just being a good, you know, role model, you know, a mentor. And there was, you know, 10 or 15 of these guys, you know, and, and, and even the guys in the office here, you know, the, my wife's uncle and her two uncles and the guy, like they've all seen me grow up in the trade, you know? So it, it's, it's kind of a cool experience, especially at being a family business, you know, it's, it, it's just, it's, 
I love getting up out of out of bed every morning and going to work. I love it. I love it. every single day. I love the crap part of it. I love the wonderful part of it. I mean, it's just just everything that it encompasses is so for me. It's exciting. Um, it, it's probably the toughest industry to be in, right? As far as manufacturing, you know, you're making products, you're sending them out. You know, we're dealing with a lot of human error, um, and but it's but it's so like it's refreshing. To have, you know, for me, because like I, I, I installed and I love that. Um, I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to come into the office and, you know, prolong my my life. I think it was Andrew uh, Patterson from Patterson Custom Homes. He talks about like, I just want to have enough chips to play. Like, that's what that's how I feel. Like, I love it. Like, I love coming and getting up every day and, you know, meeting these people. Like, I, I, I'm going to tell you this. You're, you're gonna, it's going to blow your mind. But the day that I went out to your to your house, your property, like I drove out to Arizona just to see your house. And then I drove home. I I, like, <laughs> I just made I'm like, hey, I'm going to Arizona on that day. My wife's like, I OK, I'm like, me more time. I'm going to give you more. No, no, no. It's well, I'm going back. I'm going down there in March. Yeah, so I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a heads up. So but no, but like, you know, it, it's all good, though. Like, but I'll do anything like I, I'm not afraid to like and that that's why like going out and talking to these people like i love it like you know um like i told you i'll I'll send you harassing text messages every so often when cool things pop up you know um but like it's it's like the friendships and the and the the you know your i don't know your networking is like the greatest tool that we have right and even in the low bid world like networking is great you know even if you know, your markup maybe not be as great as, you know, these guys that are doing, you know, um, other types of work. But like for me, it's I love I love the tile industry. If I was in brickwork, I'd probably love the brickwork industry. But I love what we do. I love the atmosphere here. Um, the guys in the field are great guys. Um, so just every like kind of cog in the wheel for me is just exciting. I miss the field. Um but I mean, I'd be lying if when I got out of my truck and it was 115 degrees, I was like, oh, dang, I, those are the days I'm like, man, I'm, I'm thankful for air conditioning and I'm thankful for <laughs> where I'm at, you know, but it, but the nice part is, is like, it makes me appreciate those guys. Like the, my very next thought goes to those guys setting tile for us that are out there breaking down their bodies, <clears throat> you know, um, ultimately wear and tear. Cause you know, when they're going to be 65 years old, they're going to have, you know, thankfully for technology like with the new stuff that we have for like knee pads and all that Mm -hmm. stuff like the 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 quality of life for them is going to be a lot better when they get to that point but like i'm thankful for that you know what i mean like i I can remember when i was doing scheduling and running the field and that was my role you know i'd drive around and I'd, i'd be lying if i didn't say at least once a day i would have like an overwhelming feeling of gratitude just for those guys out in the field like you know because they're like we have like we had that machine, but they're like the main fuel for that machine. And they're sacrificing a lot, you know, to get up every morning. And, you you know, we're in L.A., so everybody's up getting up at 4 a.m. to be traffic to get to the job. And some jobs, they won't let you start till seven. So these dudes are taking these two hour naps in their car. And you're just like, you know, you, you, you have to you have to appreciate that and, and love them for that, you know. Well, I I would imagine that gives you such a great perspective as a leader in the organization. And because the reason I say that I, you know, I always counsel like any young up and comer, let's say someone that wants to be a GC, you know, or be in management that you can't like you can, you can shortcut it, which some people do. But what I mean is for great perspective and understanding of what it's like for all the employees go work, you know, fortunately for me, I worked as an electrician. I worked installing bat insulation, you know? Yeah. I worked as horrendous. an insulator. It's brutal. It's, it's the worst. I, I can't even tell you. It's, it was so tough. And then I, you know, doing low voltage and, um, and, and I did a little bit of framing. But essentially by being in the trades, like, like you mentioned, there's so much more perspective just having that mindset for years of showing up with my lunchbox, being hourly, right, and putting on the tool bag and working. And so now only my company as a GC that I have a lot more, you know, empathy and sympathy towards all of our trades and subs that are out there working, as you mentioned, these harsh conditions and timelines. And cause I've noticed like sometimes you don't feel great and sometimes personal stuff's going on and you still got to show up and, you know, physical labor is hard when you're like, okay, 
got to get out of the truck and unload the tools and get moving. I mean, th there has to be a mindset that clicks and, and how can you reach that? How can you motivate that if you haven't done it yourself? Right. Absolutely. And, and just like having that appreciation, I mean, like never in a thousand years would I think of taking advantage of one of these guys, you know what I mean? Like, it's just that appreciation for what they do, you know? And, and if you look at it, I mean, they're your profit centers. Like if you're a contractor and you spit on your guys, I mean, they're, they're your profit centers. They're, they're, they're where the rubber hits the road, you know? And, and, you know, some of these guys, you know, they've worked for us for 35 years and that's rare, you know, you, mm -hmm. you, it's rare in the trades, you know? So how has it changed going back to, I know you said you want to come back to the handshake to contracts and CYA, you know, how, how much time do you spend now as opposed to 20 years ago as a company going through bonding and all the specifics to be pre-qualified and insurance? I mean, all these GCs you're working for now have massive pre-qual kits that you have to be certified through pay right. structures that you have to get familiar with and how you do your invoicing and billing. I mean, it's difficult to track all that for so many different customers you're working for. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of like that. I, I guess it's kind of like, you know, inside the infrastructure of us, it's like everybody needs to stay in their lane, right? Like Megan does all of our billing and all that stuff. And she's familiar with all the different formats, texture and all these other, you know, wonderful things that are developed. Right. And then on, on, on the, the, the bidding side or the management side, you've got to learn all this, you know, these different softwares, you know, cause every contractor has their favorite, so, so it is a challenge, but like, you know, I mean, and, and you think about like, I, I can, you know, I was talking to, uh, Patty, she's one of, you know, she's aunt Patty, the owner, right. I'm one of the owners, I would say that one of the owners, and she's like, you know, I remember when contracts were one page, you know, and now they're like, a, it looks like a dictionary, some of these contracts, you know, and, and, and every single, and usually those big thick contracts are geared to release the builder of any type of exposure so you're inheriting it all as a you know as a subcontractor a lot of it you know when it comes to that part and so you know you we, we go through those contracts we mark them up and we send them back and i don't know some subs might just sign those contracts and send them back because they're like oh well, i can't fight against a big machine well no i mean we you know so so there, there, there has been that change but you know going from you know the handshake to the paperwork and cya it's i mean it even even like sign it's you, you know, there's always a hiccup, you know, there's always going to be a, a, a difficult job, you know, whether it's the, you know, the plans were, were poorly put together or whatever, and, and you have to navigate through that. And, and sometimes, you know, you're just not going to win on all of them, right? So, um, you know, there, there are a lot of change orders that we get signed that we don't get paid for because of, you know, oh, that should be in your scope of work. And, you know, so it's kind of like, okay, how much do you want to rock the boat and fight over this $1,500 on this $300,000 job? Like, yeah, mm -hmm. okay, let's just all move past it. And, you know, we're, we have the end goal in sight, right? And that's to do another project with you guys. So, how, but how, I will be, go ahead. So, but like, I will be honest, like, and that's kind of what shifted some of my focus from just punching out bids all day, all day, all day to, this relationship stuff. Cause I had an experience. We did, we built these two hotels in Oceanside side by side, uh, the North tower, South tower, they're right next to the pier. They're beautiful. And this contractor that we worked for, this was the first job we did with them and they're big, they're nationwide contractor. Um, and so like project of this size is like no big deal to them, but this was our first experience with them and theirs with us. And we both walked away from that. They, they actually, it's funny because they actually gave us the first tower, they gave us a contract on the first tower, but they didn't award the second tower. They, they kept that like in the back. Cause like, well, we'll see how they perform on the first tower to see if we're going to give them the second tower. Well, they ended up giving us a second tower and a change order, but like in that contract contractor, I literally just started talking to, and because I wasn't, I personally wasn't set up to start, you know, taking on and bidding because I didn't know our bid software. I didn't know. And I don't want, to dump this load on our estimators, like, hey man, I brought this new contractor and I know you guys are pumping out 500 bids a year. Can you make it 600 now? So, so I learned the software and so now, but but they were the guys that kind of reinstilled. There's actually a few builders like that that have reinstilled faith in me that like, hey, we can have a conversation on the job, and we'll start moving forward with it because of time constraints. And that's usually what kills you on these jobs, right? Is, hey, the job's got to get done by this day because either students are coming in 
or people are going to jump on rides that day or whatever the case may be, kickoff, whatever concert. So really the end date doesn't move even no matter what problem happens on the job. So you're kind of pressed by time that you're, you have to do these things so that my tile gets done because then you're dealing with liquidated damages and all that stuff. And we just, we don't want to deal with that. So, so we move forward with good faith and, but like the, you know, we have had those experiences where we do have a conversation in the field and a lot of, a lot, a lot of them, you know, with these builders, there's a few different ones that are hands down. Awesome. You know, I call them, you know, they're like, they're like cowboys, man. They're just out there in the field shooting, like, yeah, get that done, get that done. And then we'll follow up with an email and it's honored, you know? Um, and so that to me, and that's, that's kind of where the shift for me was at the time I wasn't even doing estimating. I was running the field. I was the field supervisor at the time doing all the scheduling that's when I said, Hey, when I get in that position, I'm going to go after this contractor because they're, you know, that's who I want to do business with. And so, so like I said, we have that machine, we can, we're competitive. Um, and now it's just time to start opening up a new kind of arm in the business. And that has to do with relationships and, and doing work and for these contractors that we can pick and choose, you know, who we work for at that point, you know, and they're big projects. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, I mean, you're working for so many different GCs all throughout Southern California. What, what separates when you mentioned some of the builders are super awesome to work for, what's that separator, you know, to differentiate them from other ones? Um, like, I'll be honest with you. I don't even want to say it's the builder necessarily. I think a lot of it has to do with like, like the plans, you know, if the plans are, you know, if they're rough and they're not drawn properly and they have too many scope gaps, like, you know, everyone's just going to be in trouble on it, you know? So it's, you know, and unfortunately, you know, for, for the, the, the end user, the owner, if those plans aren't great, when everybody goes to bid it, everyone's going to bid it, you know, to cover their butts just in case for the unforeseen stuff. So really, I don't, you know, necessarily think it's, you know, a builder's business model is to, Hey, I'm going to screw all my subcontractors. That's my business model. I think sometimes that just kind of, you know, happens because of time constraints we don't have time for, you know, clarification because it's not recognized until we're in the field, you know, cause I mean, we all know you can draw it on paper, but sometimes it just doesn't marry properly in the field. And so we do have to go through some sort of correction and, and, you know, so I, you know, so I don't, I don't want to put it on them, but, but I, I think that, you know, maybe there are some contractors that do a lot more pre-construction qualifications and due diligence on their end to make sure that, that there, there are no scope gaps. And if they are, they have a contingency, you know, um, fund that they can dip into or something. I, I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not on the GC side. I love being a sub because I can get in and get out and not have to deal with like a nightmare owner or any of that stuff. So we, we won't be going to any GC side anytime soon. Right? <laughs> <laughs> From your days in the field, you know, looking back, do you feel that the project management, whether organization, in addition to the plans, you know, the supervision, the superintendent, the PM that's on site, you know, how does that impact your role as a subcontractor? You know, there, there, that's an awesome question because there are so many con like jobs. We do work for, you know, like you said, numerous builders and the builders that are, you know, I can, when I walk onto a, like a Neff construction or an Erickson hall, or a, I know it's one of their jobs because all their jobs are the same. I literally, it's funny because when I was in the field, when I would sweep out a, a restroom, cause you know, there's wood shavings and all that stuff and they're never broom swept when you get there. So whatever. So we sweep them out, but it's funny because for what I sweep out of a room, I could tell you like, Oh, that's a Neff job, you know, because all their jobs are exactly the same, even down to the scraps of material you're sweeping out of a room, you know, Erickson Hall, same thing. So I think a lot of these companies that have been around for a while and have established very healthy, you know, protocols, like that's, you know, it's so uniform and, and yeah, you're going to, like I said, you're going to have some, you know, some black sheep in there where, you know, it's odd, you know, like what, what happened on that one? Oh, well, you know, the, it, it was, a, it was a remodel on a job and, you know, the walls weren't straight. So we had to spend a ton of time fixing walls and there's no money in it for that. So, so, you know, it's, it's those kinds of things, um, you know, but those are rarities. And so for us, like we know going into certain people's jobs that like, they're going to be the same, you know? they're all the same. It's like, I don't know if it's a training that they do, but it's, and that makes it easier for us as a, a sub, especially in the low bid world, because, you know, we know what we're walking into, you know, almost can like almost blindfolded because they're so, you know, um, oriented by, 
you know, their setup and their takedown and their fencing and I mean, everything, you know, so, so that makes it easier. As far as bonding goes, are you required to bond every project that you bid? No, not necessarily. Some people like, I mean, there's one contract that, you know, if uh, 250,000 is over 250, you got to get a performance and, you know, payment bond. Um, some of them want a bid bond, not all of them, but it, you know, there, there are certain contractors that do want certain ones. We usually know who they are, but you know, and, bond, and the bid bomb, I think, I think some people may not be familiar with what a bid bond is. So basically they have, they get a, we get a bond that if we back out of our bid and it causes like, like, let's say that we bid a job and it's like a, we bid it at a hundred thousand and they select our number. And then some other guy behind us is at like a 250,000. We're like, Oh, we missed all that. We're out of here. And we back out. Like they're mm -hmm. going to go after a bid bond company for that difference in that bid to cover yeah. their butts. Cause they're not going to eat it. So that's what a bid bond is. So, and so, so what's interesting is, you know, bonding companies will be very particular because they know like, Hey, you know, you guys are new to like, you know, if you're new to it, it's going to be difficult getting bonded because you don't have any history. But if you've been in business for, you know, 15 years or five years, 10 years, you know, they're going to know like, okay, Brad from AFT knows his crap. Like we'll bond him up to, you know, $5 million, $10 million, $50 million, you know, cause he's building these 35,000 square foot home and the neighbor next door to him is 25,000. So he's going to build those two. We got to give him enough bonding capability to handle that. Oh, and the other, you know, five or six, you know, 10,000 square foot homes that he built. So, you know, it's just history, you know, um, and, and qualifying for it. And then, you know, being able to execute and not, I mean, we have like, you know, knock on wood, but I can't remember the last, there's never been a job that we haven't finished, like never that we pulled off or did we do, I mean, thankfully our owners, uh, George and, and Patty both have that same, like, Hey, just get it done. Like it's been in our best interest to stop arguing over it and just get it done. And so we do, you know, so. It's incredible. It's awesome. So what, for those listening, I mean, I, you mentioned a couple to me, but what are some of the signature projects maybe you're proud of, or at least proud to have your company associated with there in Southern California? Oh man, Helix High School. That's one, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but, 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 but with that being said, it, it, it is kind of cool. Like my, my mother-in-law, so my wife's on her, so her, her dad's side is a fan, you know, the side of the tile, but on her mom's side, they're all educators. Like all my sister-in-laws are teachers. My mother-in-law worked in the school district and like we've remodeled the school that I went to, Nogales High School, where we did that remodel, the state elementary school, the school I went to. Those are cool because they're personal and it's like, you know, but my kids always joke and I'm, I, you know, it's that joke about like, oh, kids, I did that building right there as you're driving by on the freeway. My kids always, when we go through downtown, I'm like, okay, dad, here it goes, here it goes, dad, go ahead. But some of the signature projects we did, we worked on SoFi and for all transparency, there were four tile contractors on SoFi. The tile scope was so big. I don't think one contractor could bond could it, do all. it all. Yeah. It's too yeah. Much. So, but, but I will tell you that we had the second largest package, the, the, the two lower packages. Um, if you added them up, they wouldn't even come close to what we did on there. Um, and, uh, and between us and the guy that did the most, there's only maybe two or $3 million difference in our packages. Um, wow. So we did the SoFi. Um, that was a super cool job. Um, loved, I mean, I loved going to that job and walking it because it was such like for us, it, it, it was such an exciting, like exhilarating for me. Like we were hammering out so much tile and all the public areas and it, it was awesome. Um, we did the recent Coliseum remodel, um, a couple years back, they, they remodeled the whole South side of the Coliseum, seven levels. We did back of house stuff, suites, restrooms, common areas. It, it was, that was a uh, super cool, um, we did uh, the Metropolis development. We had the, we did those four towers, which is in downtown LA. Those were, oh gosh, I think the first one was like 42 stories. The next one was, was a hotel that was 20, 20 stories. And then the next one was like 54 stories, then like 62 stories. And we did all those, uh, you know, so that was kind of cool. All, all high end luxury condos. Um, but, uh, oh gosh, man, I can go on. Like it's, it's just cool. Like, you know, we've done a lot of religious stuff, you know, um, for, for churches. That's, that's always cool. Um, you know, but yeah, a lot of education. I mean, it, it, probably thousands of high schools and elementary schools. And I mean, it's just unreal, the stuff that we get to see. And it's cool. Like the cool part about our job is like, we get to go in. Like I, I had a, I don't even know if we're going to bid the job, but I went on a job walk to this, you know, former Staples Center. Now it's crypto, you know, and it's mm -hmm. kind of cool to be, 
you know, you go into, you know, some of these amusement parks, you know, when no one's in there and it's super cool to just kind of like be able to, I mean, that's the best time to be there when no one's there. So, <laughs> so, so we get, so we get that, you know, that, it, that experiences, you know, and it's, it's great. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, we do theaters, you know, there's, we've, we've done the Capitan and some other theaters in San Diego. We've done historical uh, stuff. Um, we've done some land, you know, landmark, uh, you know, waterfalls in downtown LA that are symbolic for things off of Hill street. I don't even, you know, uh, it, it's interesting. It's just interesting. All the stuff that we get to see. And, and it's like, my day is never the same. Like it's, it's always, even in the office, it's different when we see the plans for different projects and, um, you know, we're doing, um, a library down in San Diego right now. And it's got like all this handmade tile on the outside of the, the building. And then we got tile that's coming from, you know, uh, Spain. And, and that's just been like a nightmare because the company we're getting it from is, doesn't seem to be set up to ship to the U S. So it's like, we're having all these uncharted, you know, what, but it's cool. In the end of the day, when we're done with that building and, you know, everything's installed and it's, it's just, it's super cool to see and walk away from those projects that are done. And, you know, we're able to, you know, chalk another one up and, and play another day. Right. So. It's incredible. I mean, it's amazing. Just the, the history there, the hundred years, the expertise and, just that transition to be fourth now soon fifth generation is pretty amazing so what do you what do you do for fun outside of building this amazing enterprise you have i just told you guys i love going to work every day my wife will tell you that i work for fun <laughs> and then i figure you know fit everything else in there but um we do so we we a few years back we bought a little surf boat so we do a lot of surfing you know on the lakes um I like, uh, I coach my daughter's soccer team. I sit on the, the board for the ASA, our region, local region for ASA. You always got to give back. Um, and so like, I, I love that, you know, I work with the kids like at church. I serve with the youth of our ward, um, you know, at our, our church. And it, it, you know, so there's just, it, it, there's never a dull moment. I would have thought, cause I had, we have four kids and I would have thought when my three oldest kids left the house, cause now we have a, so let me give you the ages. Cause you're going to be like, what happened? We have a 25 year old, right? She's married. I have a 22 year old who's in his junior year of, um, construction management. And I have a 19 year old who's serving for our church in, in Texas right now. So she's on a, a year and a half mission. Um, and then I have my 10 year old. So <laughs> I, I have this, this gap right here, you know, nine actually my nine year gap, you know, and people are like, what? And so, so I would have thought that once the three older ones and they were all involved with dance and sports and all that stuff. And we were there every step of the way, you know, so we've had these fun experiences, but like my life seems to be more busy with the one kid than I did with the three <laughs> kids. It's like, man, what is going on? But like, you know, and, and I guess the, the, my, my favorite thing is, is spending time with my family. Um, as we were taking my daughter, she did a year of school before she went out and served when we were dropping her off. Um, we were unloading her, her stuff and, and one of her, one of our family friends was up there uh, visiting her family um, and she came over to help us unpack. And, and when she was talking to my daughter's roommate, my daughter, Roxy, her roommates, she was saying, Oh, these are the Guzman's just so you know, they do everything together. So like my son was there, my daughter, you know, we were all, and we, we just like spending time as a family. Like, you know, it's great to have adult kids and to see them grow and to, you know, have, have that. But like the relationship with them is, is, you know, there's, there's no price we can put on it. And I'll be honest with you having the family business has been huge in that because all my kids grew up in the shop. My wife brought all the kids to the shop. You know, there, there might've been contractors who heard baby noises in the background years ago when the kids were crying or whatever, but my kids were raised in the shop. My kids were around this, you know, their whole life. So, you know, it's been an awesome experience to have that to where, you know, we didn't have to always, you know, leave them with somebody while we you know went to work and, and did those things. So, I was muted there. So there we go. Yeah. My, my headphone disconnected, but I mean, to your point, David, I mean, just to be able to have that family environment where kids can be involved, they see the family company, they see how hard you and your wife work, the, the amount you give back to church and community and 
everything you guys are doing from a charity function is, I mean, it's just impressive. And it really shows to the success you've had and what you've built. And, and I know that you're super busy. Again, I, I appreciate you coming out to see us in Phoenix and coming on the podcast today and uh, spending this hour with us and the audience, David. It means a lot. So for those listening, where can they find you? Um, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I don't really have much social media going on. We're probably going to, because of our, like our new trying to, when my son comes in here, he's like, oh, we got to do all the social media stuff. And, uh, you know, I see all Brad's cool stuff he does on LinkedIn. So <laughs> we're going to have to, we're going to have to put some stuff out there at some point, but I'm on LinkedIn. You'll find me on LinkedIn, uh, David Guzman. I'm at Continental Marble and Tile. Um, so, but no, it's cool, man. And when I'm down there in March for spring training, we'll, uh, have to definitely have to come by. I, was, I told my wife about that house. That that was ridiculous. Yeah, you have to come see it. You have to bring her and come take a tour because yeah, it'll sure. pretty much be at completion. It'll be a good time to come walk through it. So okay, cool. Cool, cool, man. Well, David, you've been amazing. Can't thank you enough. Thanks for having me, man. We'll talk later. If you get value from the show, please support us by giving a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And I also have a favor to ask. We've had some incredible guests that come on and share their wisdom their knowledge about their business. So if you have friends or family members that could benefit from those episodes, please share it with them, as well as any other business owners that you're networking with that could get value from the podcast or certain episodes, please share those as well. Again, subscribe, make sure you're following any questions that you have, topics. We've had uh, listeners reach out about certain guests that we should have on the show. Again, brad.l at aftconstruction.com. Email me for topics to address, guests that we should have on, and even if you think you'd be a great guest for the show. So again, thank you for all your support, and we'll see you next time.